0: not that i need it but you can clap your hands like you 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 don't have to be silent for goodness you can't like shout in but it's okay we're allowed to be human all right we're allowed to be human so again it's good to see everybody this is a, a significant series that we are digging in and diving into um, it's an, it's an interesting season That we find ourselves in as a culture is this actually essential intersection. And we do believe that God desires to form us differently in this next season. And so today launches a 10 week series that we're going to be doing all summer called Different here at Life Center. And I want you to know right up front that we're going to lean heavily on a work by the name of Dr. It was interesting because a book it said like Dr. Reverend and I was like woo woo woo, that's pretty big. But anyways, Unlocking Your Giftedness by Bobby Clinton Convergence by John Thompson, and then also work by Peter Wagner. Of course, the scriptures, our own leadership team discussing this all together. We're going to dive into a summer of spiritual gifts. That's what we're going to dive into together. But before we get to gifts, we have to go somewhere for the first couple of weeks before we begin to unpack all 21 spiritual gifts. And so we want you to discover the gifts that God has given you, and then how can you begin to serve and make a Jesus-sized difference with them. This week I was online and I saw a video and it went viral and it was a video of a young woman at a gas station and she couldn't quite figure out how to park at the gas station where her gas tank, you know, when you you show up and there's a little arrow in your car, she couldn't figure it out and so she literally kept going around the, the pump to pump but she would make the same mistake every single time and she did it a number of times. And there was an individual who was filming her. This couple was filming her. And they were were hoping, rooting for her. And then she would make the same mistake again and the same mistake again. And as I watched this video, first I laughed. But after I laughed, I also had this aha moment. Because there was a part of me that said, I think we're going to have to reckon who is a society that we want to be. Do we want to be individuals that simply shame people for their mistakes? Or what would it have taken just to put down the phone and help her? What would it have taken literally just to put down the phone and go, This is this, let me just show you how to do this. Let me show you how to engage us because we live in a culture now, again, where one person's just dumb moment, we have no idea her life story. We don't know if she was coming from work where she just got let go. We have no idea what was going on. But her life and her error and her mistake and her literal inability to know what to do was just fodder for our amusement. And here's what I think is significant. As follow- Followers of Jesus, we are all different, which means we don't all have the same giftings. And where you're not spiritually gifted, you may find yourself going around and around and you just can't figure it out. And it may be it's because you need someone to come alongside with a different gift to help you. In a season. And so that's what we want to look at today is a little bit of this whole thing of character. Who do we desire to be? How are we being formed and how are we being shaped? Because to live how and to be who Jesus has called us to be, we need both spiritual disciplines that Pastor Lori just led us in together of repentance and confession. That needs that that's a discipline that we can engage. We need these spiritual disciplines, but we also need spiritual gifts. And here's why: spiritual disciplines are how we walk. Walk with God to be like Jesus. So here's what I want you to know right up front. This is a teaching series. I'm gonna teach from a leadership perspective, which means I'm gonna lean in hard on some areas. It's never to come down at the church. It's to lift up. But if you exercise no spiritual disciplines, I'm just telling you right now, you're never going to become like Jesus in the way that you could become like Jesus. You don't have to exercise them perfectly, but we do have to engage them. And one we looked at today is repentance and confession repentance and confession. But spiritual gifts are how we are interconnected together. They're how we serve like Jesus. So spiritual disciplines are how we walk with God to be more like Jesus, and spiritual gifts are how we're interconnected together to serve like Jesus. And here's a promise that I wanna make to you today. Here's a promise, and you're gonna hear this every single week. Without the work of the Spirit, which is salvation, none of us came to Jesus. It's not like I found Jesus. No, the Spirit drew us, the Holy Spirit drew us and opened our hearts and opened our eyes. If you're watching online or you're live in the room and you don't know Jesus, it's not just something that you're trying to discover. There's an active move of the Holy Spirit. So without the work of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling, this consistent infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, which enables us to bear the fruit of the Spirit, Without this operating in our lives in a very natural, supernatural way, but very natural way, without this moving of the Spirit, spirit, here's my promise to you, one day, without the Spirit's moving in your life, you are going to wake up one day frustrated, and you're going to say, I can't do Christianity, I can't do it because it's gonna get boiled down to rules and regulation and who's in and who's not. You are gonna get yourself so frustrated that literally, and I have seen this pattern repeated over and over and over and over and over again. If you try to do Christianity with willpower and personal discipline without the consistent moving of the Holy Spirit, you will at one point or one crisis, you're one crisis away from throwing your hands in the air and saying, I can't do this. But here's the thing. You were never supposed to just do it. Christianity following Jesus is not you do. It is that Jesus did and that through a life in the Spirit, then we do that. We are supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. Spirit to do what we can't do on our own. And so we need this constant moving of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Romans chapter 8, which is one of the most amazing scriptures in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote, says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And then it goes on to say in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, and this is what it says, to be conformed, to be conformed. Okay, so if you're in the chat, you can just write the word conformed, or you can take notes if you're here, to be conformed but not just conform to anything, to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to to someone very, very specific, okay, to the image of Jesus, that you and I, by a work of the Holy Spirit, every single day, though it may not feel like it every single day, are being formed. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, again, in the chat or in, in, the, in the room, you can raise your hand. In the chat, you can put your little hands up. Raise your hand if you have ever played with Play-Doh or clay. Can I see your hands, please? Did you eat it? Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Yeah, when I was a kid, they would give you that homemade Play-Doh, and you'd be like, salty, and you'd eat it. <laughs> I may or may not have been a kid that ate paste. I may or may not. I, we'll see. But it's amazing because your hand of this blob, whether it's clay or whether it's Play-Doh, And then you begin to mold it and you begin to form it and you begin to shape it. And that's what the word conformed means right here. That we are these blobs in the hands of God that he begins to mold and shape and form not into the perfect you, into the image of his son. So there's an end goal, there's an end thing that Jesus is working, the Holy Spirit is working, the Father is working to mold us and to form us into the image of Jesus. This is what it means. But we also live in this broken, fallen world, and so the other side of the story is God is not the only thing trying to form and shape and mold your life. And that's why we live in this realm of spiritual warfare. You may say, I don't feel it. Well, here's all I know. Set a time this week to pray and you will discover spiritual warfare because everything will try to thwart you from engaging that moment. In the Old Testament, this is why the prophet Isaiah said, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, but you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. What is the prophet Isaiah talking about way back there? We are being formed and we're being shaped and we're being molded. And so today, before we get to the actual 21 spiritual gifts in a couple weeks, we need to talk about something that all of us have that is like this clay that is being shaped and formed and it's called your character and mine. You see, our whole lives, God is going to be shaping our character to, for us to the end of our lives, whenever that is, to look more like Jesus. This is the heart. This is the intent. This is the goal. This is the work of the Spirit every single day in my life, in your life, to shape us and to mold us to look more like Jesus. But again, we live in a world with other things that are trying to form us, but we're talking today specifically about character. It's why at Life Center we have a value which is character over gifting. In other words, we can't get to the gift until we first talk about character. And not just any character, we're talking about Christ-like character. And so in this in last year, here's the value statement that we let kind of re, rehashed. We've had it for a long time. We've rehashed it as character comes before gifting. Our character isn't value neutral how we live and how we love and then ultimately how we lead our lives and perhaps if God gives us the privilege to lead others, that matters. That gifting is good. All 21 that we're going to look at are essential and they're good. And purpose has its place, but Christ-like character always stands above. Give me someone with Christ-like character and a humble heart over a gifted person any day and every day of the week. The gifted person may make an immediate impact, but the person with Christ-like character and a humble heart over the long haul will make more of a Jesus-sized difference than anyone's gifting ever can. And so all summer long, our discussion on spiritual gifts, we have to keep going back to these two words of made and motive. Because made, again, it's all about how our Christ-like character is being formed. How are you being made? How are you being molded? How are you being shaped? And if you're here today and you just say like, well, I, I don't know. I, I Give it some thought this week. How are you being formed? How are you being shaped? And if you're here today or watching online, you're saying, well, I don't think I actually am. Then I want to lovingly speak to you. You're, you're, you're delusional. Of course you're being shaped. Of course you're being molded. Of course you are. You're being shaped every day. Social media shapes, information shapes. We're going to talk about a few of those things. So again, we need to look at, again, how are we being shaped? How are we being molded? And then, of course, we also have to look at what's my motive? What's your motive? When we begin to serve other people, what's our motive? Our motive is all about whether what we are doing are we doing it in love or are we doing it for some other reason and if our motive isn't love here's what the apostle paul says the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we're going to see in a couple of minutes, not today, a couple of weeks, I should say, that 1 Corinthians 12 is all about spiritual gifts. He teaches all about spiritual gifts, and then he goes right to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the scripture that is often taught at weddings and shared at weddings, okay? But here's what I want you to know. The Apostle Paul didn't write 1 Corinthians 13 for weddings, That's not what he wrote it for. He wrote it to speak to a church that was in division, that was always looking at where they were gifted, not where they were called to love. And so Paul is actually driving really, really deep. He finishes 1 Corinthians 12, which is all gifts, and then he gets to love, and he essentially says, I don't care what your gift is. If your motive isn't love, you're just making noise. And here's what we need to say to the church in North America. The world is fed up with our noise. The world is putting us on trial for our noise. And our response to being weighed and founding wanted is not arrogance but humility. To say, God, we gotta learn, we gotta repent, we gotta grow, we gotta allow you to dig a little bit deeper in our hearts and in our lives. Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, which would be pretty powerful. (laughs) but have not love I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging symbol I don't know if you've ever been around a child who gets a hold of a pair of symbols it is not pleasant I mean it's pleasant for a, it's cute for a moment and it's cute maybe if you grab it for Instagram and then after that it's like for the love of the lord take the symbols away in Jesus name because it's not nice it, that's what, the, that's what he's driving at here, not the kids part. I added that in. And if I have prophetic powers, ooh, how many of you would like those? I would. As, a, as wonderful prophets as we have in the church, no one saw the pandemic coming. Oh, good Lord. It, 2020, when I go back and read it, it was all about like perfect vision. hmm. Perfect vision, right. Lord, <laughs> rise up the prophets. Oh, God. You know, not one saw it. Bill Gates saw it, but not one other saw it. No, don't say Bill Gates in church, because now we've got 5G and towers and Mark of the Beast coming. Don't talk about it. Don't do it. I'm not going to do it. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, we just lost eight followers. See you later. God bless you. <laughs> if we have all mystery, you think that's not a joke. That's actually happened. Um, we understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and we have all faith is to remove mountains, but have not love. If the motive isn't love, I'm nothing. If I give all the way, if they give everything away, not ten percent, hundred percent, and if I could deliver my body up to be burned, if a martyr, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Let me put it this way: I want you to imagine that you have the spiritual gift of prophecy, and you could see the thing coming. But you have this amazing spiritual gift of prophecy where you have this spirit-empowered of power, ability to deliver truth in a public context in either a predictive nature or you have a situational word from God in order to correct believers by exhorting and edifying and consoling them or you can actually convince non-believers of God's truth. That's what the spirit of prophecy, by the way, or the spiritual gift of prophecy, that's what it is. That's exactly what it does. That it can convict a non-believer about who God is or for believers, it can exhort, it can edify, and it can build them up. It can give this predictive word about what God is doing. In other words, you can read someone's mail. You can look at someone and you can see something and you can say something and they look at you in the eyeballs and they say, how did you know? One time in my life, I prayed in private with nobody around and I was frustrated at the condition of my own heart and I prayed this very simple prayer to God, okay? By myself, nobody around. God, how come when I look at the brokenness of the world, my eyes are dry? I don't cry. There's nothing. I feel nothing. This was a number of years ago. Felt nothing. Walked, prayed, left it. Nothing happened. Nothing all happened. Came into church on Sunday, and not a pastor, no one, someone in the church who has a gift of prophecy walked over to me, and they said, I feel really weird. Is it okay if I just give you a word? And my response is always, I'll judge after if it was okay. Right? They don't ask me on the front end if it was a good, you know, because sometimes they give me a word, like, was that okay? Not really. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, And I just kind of put it on the shelf and, okay. But this one, he just said, okay, this is really weird, but when we're in worship and I just felt like the Lord had a word for you, and here's the word. I don't know if it makes any sense to you, but he just wants you to know. he's he's going to begin to move afresh in your life and you're going to know it because, this is the weird part, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but he's going to touch your eyes and they're going to become like cisterns that begin to pour. Does that make any sense to you? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And it was this moment. But here's the thing. That was a powerful moment, but here's the more beautiful thing. I knew this individual loved me so I could trust them. You can have a gift of prophecy, but if you have a gift of prophecy and all you wanna do is correct people and make them more like you and not like Jesus, then you know what? Stop your gift and work on your character because you gotta work it out here. You say, well, why aren't doors opening up for me? It's not a gift problem, it's a character problem. You wanna correct everyone. You wanna mold and shape everybody like you and that's not the heart. It's that you actually use your gift so that they can be molded and shaped to be looking more like Jesus, all right? There have been times where people have had tremendous gifts of healing, but they're sleeping around with people in their ministry. The gift of healing, God uses because he loves people. The character of the individual, though, creates more damage than the good that the gift ever does. It's not an either-or proposition. It is a both-and. It is why Jesus said, But what comes from the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But how to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile anyone. In the exact same vein, listen to how Jesus, in love, in love, when you read your Bible and you see that he's correcting the Pharisees and the religious leaders, don't you dare, please, don't you dare think that Jesus had it out for them, that he was against them. He loved them so much that he actually engaged them with the truth. But this is what he said. And the Lord said to him, this is Luke chapter 11, verse 39. The Lord said to him, now you Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. So if you're online, that's a word of encouragement right there from Jesus, right? You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of greed and wickedness. Now I'm gonna drop it down. If you ever wanna watch Jesus, just kind of go at religious leaders. Luke 11 is your chapter, man. Mm. You're gonna love it. Now this verse again brings fully to life, and this what he says, "Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you Pharisees, you love the best seat in the synagogue." And greetings in the market. You love all the external things, but I'm telling you, there's something on the inside. The problem, he was saying to the Pharisees, wasn't the law or the Torah. The problem was you're not letting it get on the inside of you and do a transformative work. Jesus had no issue with the outside. He had no issue with the customs. He had no issue with the traditions. Being a Jewish man himself, he had no issue with those things. He had no issue with them tithing mint or rue or every herb that they used. Again, But he would say, but you're ignoring the weightier things like justice. You're ignoring those things. And again, Dean Sherman says it this way that, Pharisees were so proud of their righteousness that they missed God in human form. We can be so proud in our own self-righteousness that we cannot see what God is doing right behind them and in front of them. So again, their issue wasn't their it wasn't their behavior, it was the motives, it was the character of their heart. And let's tie this into formation. Has anyone here ever watched a movie before? Can I see your hands, please, online or in the room? A TV show or a play. Right? Oh, I, I do miss plays. I do miss, like, anyhow, right? I saw, I saw online a few weeks ago somebody, God bless them, but they had a big tattoo. I can't remember if that was their arm or their leg. I cannot recall, but they had a big tattoo of Malcolm X. Um, the, the only one slight problem is it wasn't Malcolm X. It was Denzel Washington, who played Malcolm X in the Spike Lee film about Malcolm X? I was going to say, turn the person beside you, You're not allowed to do that. So just whoops. That's a, I mean, it, whoops. So what am I talking about now? Did I get lost on a tangent? No. What was, what was Jesus' primary critique to the Pharisees? Here it is. Listen to the word. It's just a performance. Now, in the word performance is the word form. It's just a performance. That's all it is. That's what he said to the religious leaders. It's, I don't have a problem with what you're doing, but it's just a performance. On the outside, it looks good. On the inside, it's dead. It's just a performance, like Tom Hanks playing Forrest Gump. It's just a performance. He isn't Forrest Gump. I don't even know if Forrest Gump exists. All right, or Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X. You can play and learn the role, but he didn't go through the testings. It's the same thing if someone plays Nelson Mandela or Mahatma Gandhi or Jim Caviezel plays Jesus. We don't actually think oh Jim Caviezel in The Passion became Jesus. It's just a performance. In other words, it's a powerful performance, but we know that's not the person. They weren't tested. That's not the Son of God. It's simply a performance. And what the scriptures are driving at is when it comes to spiritual gifts, we don't want to one day win the Oscar for best Christian performance. We don't want that to mold and shape and fashion our lives where everybody says on the outside it looked great. The gifts they had were amazing, but on the inside people don't know. It's just a performance. I would say what Jesus was saying to the religious leaders is very succinct. Stop performing. Let it get on the inside of you. Let it touch your character. When you look at a woman who's caught in adultery, it's not a performance for your righteousness to be more than hers. Where's your compassion? Where's your love? Where's the weightier things of the law? Right here in this moment, Jesus was driving at it. It's not the Torah, and it's not the traditions. It's not, those things aren't the problem. The problem is in here that I've got to go from. And again, spiritual gifts without disciplines which is the spiritual disciplines are this quiet, continual inner quiet disruptive work of the Holy Spirit in our lives without so spiritual gift without spiritual disciplines you will be deformed As John Tyson would say, that you will be deformed from faith to doubt, from love to insecurity, from community to individualism, from contribution to consuming, and from rest to exhaustion. Church, if we looked at this as a sociological level today, we have and live in a culture that is exhausted by performance. Everything is rooted in performance because staying in character rather than cultivating Christ-like character is really hard. It's hard to play the part of a Christian, rather than just surrendering and saying, God, take this lump of clay and continue to mold me to be like your son. When you see yourself moving in an unloving way, when you see yourself being unkind, when you see yourself holding unforgiveness, you go, ah, Lord, these are not issues of gifts, nor are they issues of understanding. God, would you mold and shape my character? Father, when I sin, when there's iniquity, when I transgress, when I have hatred in my heart towards my brother, when I have things that rise in my heart towards another, God, when I confess these things and when I repent these things, and there's no band and there's no altar call, it's just you in a dry Tuesday morning with your Bible, but you open and it. it's this practice of repentance where you open your heart. I in the mornings I read through the Psalms, this place of thanksgiving, and I read Psalm chapter two this week. And as soon as I read it, I immediately confessed sin to Lori because in it it began to talk about something specific. And the Holy Spirit said, That's you, there's a problem here. And I've surfaced it and just said, I just need to confess this. So I confess it to God, and I also confess it to somebody else around me. How many of you know, if you say, well, I don't, I don't live with someone, do you know someone by text? Then you can also do it that way. It is very, very character-shaping and powerful to confess your sin not only to God but to somebody else. Like your visa statement, don't wait for the end of the month. Pay it off as it comes in. The same is true with sin. Don't wait until it actually catches up with you. Confess it before you get a big debt load. Daily, 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 All right, Living for likes instead of love can deform our Christ-like character. Again, this is why you can see during the recent protests, I don't know if you saw this, but there was social media influencers who would show up at the protests dressed up and snap photos to show that they were there and they'd hop back into their cars and drive away. You say, what is wrong with a sick world like that? Or they would pick up a hammer and they would pretend like they're putting up a board and then someone snap a photo and then they'd get in their car and they would drive away you say what well, what's that about that is a deformation of character when we live in a culture that is more saturated and fueled by likes than it is by love this is just part of the world in which you and I live have you noticed that social media is getting more and more performance based have you noticed that have you noticed it's more and more performance based with one of the latest iterations of TikTok. I'm not here, you know, putting down TikTok. I am just saying it's more and more performance-based. Same is true, though. I'm going to go a little bit quicker here, but the same is true about information. Do you notice the word inside of information is still forming and shaping? Forming and shaping? All right. I was convicted this week And I confessed this one too. I said to Lori, I'm giving too much of my heart. I'm giving too much of my heart to the things of the world and too little of my heart to my family. I am being formed and shaped by so much information that my little sensitive heart gets overwhelmed where I actually had nothing left for those who I love and I was closest to. I'm not talking about ignoring these things. Not absolutely. It's just, it's understanding. And this is what I felt like the Lord speak to my heart. Every voice should have equal worth. I want to be humble to receive from anyone. Don't you? Every voice should have equal worth, but every voice should not have equal weight in your life. If someone doesn't know you, love you, care for you, It should have a different level of weight. Let me just go one step further, then I'm going to get right off of this. Um, Doctors should have more weight in your life than your friend who read an article and put it on Facebook. I'm just going to keep going. Okay, so Christ-like character is formed through honest confession of sin one to another, developing daily spiritual disciplines, refreshing humility when you get it wrong, admitting you got it wrong, being willing to hear from anybody and receive, serving outside the spotlight, allowing God to not only gift you but to grow you. John Thompson says this, we are called to walk in the spiritual practice or spiritual disciplines that Jesus walked in, which is all of them. And then we are called to walk in the power of the Spirit using the gifts of the Spirit that he has given us. So again, here's the last thing I want to say today. Spiritual gifts and character formation is primarily an offline, unglamorous, unseen walk with Jesus. I'm going to say it again. The work of character formation is an offline, unglamorous, unseen walk with Jesus, which in a season of his choosing, he will cause your life in this unseen, unglamorous, this offline walk with Jesus. In his choosing, he will cause fruit to be born in your life, which will be good and pleasing that you can use to serve others spiritual gifts are so good yet they never can be separated from our character or our motives as we have read and we know that all the and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who were called according to his purpose for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to be formed to be shaped to be molded like clay or play in his hands just this blob but not just formed into the best you, no, no, to the image of his son. Isaiah the prophet, as we've already read, says, but now, O Lord, you are father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And so I want you to imagine with me this summer if not only you, but I want you to imagine if teens and 20s and those in their 80s, could you imagine if together we allowed our character to be shaped by Jesus, through spiritual disciplines. We allowed our motives to be revealed, confessed, and healed, and then sent back out in love. That when we want to, you know, correct people and just tell everyone, I'll give everybody a piece of our mind, and we got to be careful with that because some of us don't have very much mind left to give. That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> but we got to allow the Lord to surface our motives. Why am I doing what am I doing? Is it from a heart of love or I'm just adding to the noise of the world? <laughs> And then we allow our gifts to be activated to serve our friends and family and church and cities. This whole world is praying in this season for different. And could it be that God so wants to shape you, not to be the hero, but to be an answer to the cry of this world, Lord, would you do something different? You're not the hero, I'm not the hero, but together we could be an answer for what God desires to do. Pastor Laurie.